and welcome to A Podcast, The Podcast, hosted by Lee and Robbie. This week's episode is proudly brought to you by Anchor FM in partnership with Spotify. Whatever you listen to, listen with pride. And now your hosts, Lee and Robbie. Hello, welcome to A Podcast, The Podcast. I'm Robbie. I'm Lee. And uh, we don't have a sponsor this week uh, because we've instead decided, uh, in light of recent tragedy, mm-hmm. that uh, we would like to dedicate this episode to our fallen comrade, uh, Come Lord Has Died. Oh, no. Oh, the dog. Oh, no. Oh, God. A long battle with doggy leukemia, as oh, well Jesus. as uh, losing his most of his sight and his hearing uh, his owner, the owners of come Lord made the very difficult decision to put him to sleep yesterday. So rip to the legend. This that's, episode is dedicated to come Lord. That's tragic. I, for a second, I forgot come Lord was a dog and I thought it was like some fucking gamer or twi- Twitch. Streamer. <laughs> and so I was laughing. Yeah, The but, next booty pie is come Lord. Yeah. But now I'm genuinely upset. Um, yeah yeah geez. for those who don't know come lord you should go check out come lord official come lord underscore official on instagram it's the cutest tiny little white pomeranian you've ever seen in your life yeah. <laughs> its name poor, is come lord poor come lord well hey cheers to come lord man cheers to come Lord. Ooh, what you got a little marg there mm-hmm. cheers to come lord cheers to come lord amen mm-hmm. Ooh, tasty is it um, bussin would you would you say it's bussin? Uh, I wouldn't, but some might. <laughs> Robbie, you know it's weird. So these headphones do not. Um, oh wow! Look specify at that. what? Oh, they, yeah, they're just. I assume we're about to get into. They're just like kind of lopsided. Oh, they are, aren't they? Yeah, no, well, they're just like a little yeah. lopsided. I thought yeah. maybe something broke. No, 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 no. They're just lopsided. Um, no, I was just gonna say they don't specify left side versus right side, but they definitely don't feel natural this way. I usually wear them the other way. Well then wear them the other way. <laughs> well, the yeah, the mic is on this side. And so it plugs into the side of my microphone and just, it's all. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> How does that make a, like much? Of a difference? And I don't know why they're so lopsided. I don't know what happened. I literally haven't adjusted them. I mean, it's fine. That's what, yeah. I'm, who knows? I'll just be uncomfortable for the next hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Oh my God! Take the time now to fucking fix them. We're the recording. fucking I mean, persecution you go through with these headphones. How do you I mean, fucking it's... deal with that? How do you go, wake up in the morning knowing that this is the reality that awaits you? It's not easy. It is not easy. Let me tell you. You know what's not easy, Robbie? What's that? Um, being the son of Herschel Walker. <laughs> 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 talk about talk about waking up every morning wondering how the fuck you're gonna go on um, oh man so this is i guess an ongoing saga yeah apparently i guess because every day every week there's new shit uh so not only we talked about this last week uh herschel walker is a, a massive piece of shit and yes. it came out that he paid for his girlfriend to have an abortion because quote it's not the right time for me to have a kid um Turns out he urged her to get a second abortion, but she didn't. And he has just had a kid that he hasn't really mentioned or anything, um, (laughs) who he occasionally texts, uh, but has never really spent time with. Um, Herschel Walker, of course, very critical of absentee fathers in the uh, black community of which he is a part of. So, you know, that's interesting. Um, but Hey, he couldn't run, uh, as the candidate he is running as if he wasn't a fucking hypocrite scumbag. So, well, yeah, he wouldn't be a member of the GOP otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of, uh, Tulsi, Tulsi, yeah, Tulsi. Yeah. (laughs) It's such a stupid name. I always am wondering if I'm saying it correctly. (laughs) Tulsi Gabbard announced she's leaving the democratic party and she's switching sides because, uh, what did she say? It was really stupid. Um, it was very stupid. It was something about them, like the Democrats lying 
too much and being mm. hypocrites and being warmongers and folks. That's right. She on- said the, she said they were warmongers. Who got us into the <laughs> war again? The most recent <laughs> one that we just exited. Who was that? Famous Democratic president, George W. Bush. <laughs> Actually, it's something with his father, didn't it? Oh, Noted libtard. Yeah, libtard George cuck. W. Yeah, Ronald you can Reagan. Argue- in the in the eighties, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you could, yeah, you could probably make an argument that it started with HW and yeah. then was sort of softly continued with Clinton, and then mm. really ramped up again. Yeah, famous <laughs> warmonger Joseph R. Biden. What a dumb broad! Um, I gotta stop using that term. <laughs> I really gotta stop. I, I never used to say it before we started talking about these politicians. Uh, but well, yeah, before, before all these fucking dumb broads started coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just, oh God. What's the what's the equivalent for men of dumb broad? Oh, man, Is there one? Because a- there should be. Because I can think of a few people that. I'd like to call it dumb broad that are men. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is there like a semi-derogatory term for men? There, there kind of isn't one, mm. I think, which is part of the problem. So we have to we have to come up with a new slur. This is this is how we take down the patriarchy, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. No, I think we should invent a new slur. Mm-hmm. A derogatory use... slur towards men. Yes. We'll think about it. We'll come there, up with There something. has to be some. Let's see. Uh Slurs for men. <laughs> this is going to be our new. <laughs> Would you like to know mm-hmm. the first three things that popped up? Sure. <laughs> Beta male. Okay. Uh, oh boy, I actually didn't fully read this second one. We <laughs> might have to. We might have to bleep this. Uh, oh, that doesn't. Jeez. Yeah, I don't. Do we have to? What is that? I don't know. Do we have to censor that? I don't know. I don't know. Is that racial or just towards men? I don't know. Let's see here. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a racial slur. Oh god. <laughs> Apparently, it's uh, post. It was used a lot in like the post immediate sort of post reconstruction. Ooh, South. Jesus. Yeah, censor that. Get that out of here. So let's just <laughs> cut this segment. I don't feel. This isn't funny anymore. Oh yeah, um, dick, dickhead. Okay. Girly men. Stupid girly men dick head. I don't know. Lounge lizard. Is that racist? Lounge lizard. <laughs> is that is that uh, lounge lizard? What does that even mean? Let's see. A lounge lizard is a man who frequents social establishments with the intention of seducing women with flattering, deceptive charm. Oh, like Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig said he says he hangs out at gay bars because uh, women are usually less likely to be hit on there, so they're, they're more open. You know, there's there's more to hit on, I guess. Um, there's some there's some there's some good stuff in here. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> the old soy boy, living. soy boy, and sissy are on here. Uh, Neckbeard, that's a good one. Bubba, apparently, <laughs> it's a slob. Hmm. Apparently, Bob is a can be like the name Bob. Interesting. I don't fucking know, man. All right. Well, anyways, let's move on from that topic, Robbie. Uh, <laughs> plenty, plenty of other things to discuss. Um, should we talk about Hellraiser? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, let's talk about Hellraiser. All right, let's talk about Hellraiser. Um, Hellraiser twenty twenty two. Yeah, baby. Uh, be, so what? Oh, sorry. Go on. I was going to say not to be confused with Hellraiser. The other one. Yeah. Yes, this is a, a sort of reboot, sort of uh, reimagining. I don't really. It's know a reboot. Come on, there's no connections. I don't care yeah, what the director says. We're going to talk about that. I think I think David Bruckner's full of shit, but that's all right. <laughs> no, it's it's a reboot. I think they're probably trying to avoid like negative associations with the word reboot because the original is so good and so loved that they're probably just trying to avoid that. I do agree. It's just a reboot and that's fine. Yeah, I think it's wrong as, with that. Yeah. And I think as reboots go, it's like pretty good. Yeah. 
It's not uh, a thing, but it's better than uh, a nightmare on Elm Street. So, hey, there we go. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think because uh, and they clearly want to make more of these things. And I'm, you know, interested to see where else, mm. you know, something like this might go. Because the the good stuff was was pretty good. I think the good stuff was really good. And the not so good stuff was just annoying. And yeah, it was like you know, it was we'll like boring it. or dumb or whatever, you know. Yeah, there was nothing like so glaringly awful that it made me like roll my eyes. No, no, not at all. I, I don't think there's anything awful in the movie. Yeah, there's so just some agree. stuff I thought could have been better, but overall, pretty solid. Yes, so Probably. I would say I would give it a, a recommend. I would say mm-hmm. check it out. Cool. Uh, and now we'll get into the fucking deep shit spoilers. <laughs> I was going to say, cool. Well, that's all razor guys. Uh, <laughs> that's check it out. It. See you later. Uh, uh, this has been, yeah, this has been another episode of podcast, the podcast. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see you later. Okay. All right. So what I, what I like about this is much like the first one, uh, it has a very, uh, convoluted plot. That's hard to sum up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit. The gist of it is, well, first of all, if you don't know anything about Hellraiser, uh, there's a, little puzzle box that is um hard to get but much sought after by very specific people and once you get the puzzle box and you solve it it unleashes the cenobites which are basically demons from a very specific realm of hell i guess and they're basically just like they sort of play it coy as far as if they're like demons or if they're just like from a different dimension yeah, I mean, but yeah, but there's like hell stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, in the second one, they yeah, straight well, yeah. hell. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like the biblical hell. No, no, it's very yeah. They, exactly. they, yeah, they play with like what hell means, and they're they talk yeah. about being like you know different planes and all of this stuff. So they're kind True. of like hell's complicated. Yeah, the, yeah. So as it turns out, hell is complicated. It's really cool. Um, but so, anyways, they show up and uh, they're there to give you just like the most sensational experience possible which is turns out is not a good thing and usually it involves uh your flesh being ripped apart in the most agonizing way possible and then your soul being ripped apart and uh not good um anyways so this movie is about uh a recovering addict who accidentally uh comes into possession of the puzzle box uh and once she solves a configuration of it, um, her brother is taken by the Cenobites. So the movie is about her trying to find her brother, which leads her to the house of a missing billionaire uh, who owned the box. She stole the box from his property. And uh, she unleashes the Cenobites and hijinks ensue. And we have uh, a tangled web is woven. Boy, Boy, do we. Yeah. A tangled web is woven indeed. Um, I think the lead actress is pretty good. I liked her performance a lot. Uh, I think that the addiction stuff is super underutilized because they, they clearly were trying to make, whereas the, the, the original Hellraiser, there's a lot about like abuse and abusive relationships as the sort of main sort of subplot. And there's like some psychosexual, you know, kind of deviant stuff in there as well. But to me, the original Hellraiser is kind of a lot about like abuse hmm. in, in different forms, like physical abuse, familial abuse, that kind of thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think reframing it on with addiction is an interesting idea. And they seem to try and sort of make the puzzle box and the Cenobites and kind of the way all of them work. It feels like they're trying to make it sort of a metaphor for addiction, but they just don't quite get there. Mm -hmm. Like her, you know, unwittingly being a servant to the Cenobites at first until about the, you know, third act when they fully just say like, you're helping us now and you don't have a choice. Um, (laughs) Felt to me a lot like how, like with addictions, you unwittingly hurt the people around you. Mm-hmm. It's both self-destructive and destructive for the people that you care about. And I don't think they quite like go far enough with a lot of that stuff. And I think a lot of her like interpersonal relationships get like too combative too quickly. And the you know, little things like that, like I didn't really care that much about her brother as an example. And I wish that I did. I feel like if they had taken just like an extra, like five, 10 minutes to like establish their relationship and didn't have them like immediately yelling at each other, as soon as we first see him, I think it would have been 
uh, quite a bit better because you don't really get the sense that any of these people that she's kind of friends with are people that she even like knows <laughs> really. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're clearly just there to be like Cenobite fodder, which generally is fine. I just feel like there's a pretty good premise in there that just doesn't, a lot of the execution isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt that the addiction stuff, um, it's weird. It's like uh, up until a certain point, I agree that it's not there enough. And then the last five minutes, like really beats you over the head with it kind of out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's like, they realize they didn't do enough. So they literally just explain it to you. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, some hand holding. Yeah. So that was frustrating. And I agree. I think, I think the last thing this movie needs is an extra 10 minutes. Uh, but I think that you could, well, I guess better utilized, I should say, because yeah. I agree. The movie is a, probably 15 to 30 minutes too long, give or take. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of how to go through this. So I, I, I like the main character. I like that. She's not entirely likable. I agree. Yeah. Um, they don't go the out of their is, way to like try to make everybody super sympathetic and everything. I mean, like you understand kind right. of her position and where she is and they make you feel for her, but yeah, like she fucks up and makes a lot of mistakes and kind of screws people. And like a lot of what happens is her fault. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, like the whole thing, the whole plot kicks off because she relapses. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I like about it is so in the, the original, I would say, thematically it's about um like obsess obsession mm. and um you know the events in that movie are kicked off w- well sort of by accident but i mean what really gets things going is julia's obsession with frank and mm-hmm. her like sexual obsession with frank right right and in this movie yeah it's it's less um there's not something that happens accidentally that the character falls into it's like set in motion by her addiction basically uh which is an interesting way to take it i mean i like the idea of using it as a framing device for being about addiction i think that's really cool yeah yeah and i think there are some elements like yeah that are there they just don't quite doesn't it doesn't all quite come together Mm -hmm. i feel like if the movie had been very focused on more on that as opposed to like needing to have a twist at the end where it turns out Oof. the billionaire is still alive and all of that, where it's like, A, you never see anything happen to him at the beginning of the movie and then he just disappears. So obviously he's coming back. <laughs> like it's not particularly right. shocking. Uh, and it's just kind of pointless. Like he doesn't really need to be there. I feel like maybe they did that so that they would ha- have, <clears throat> excuse me, a reason for her to like get the puzzle box in the first place. But I feel like there's was probably a much more organic way you could have done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. I, I think I had kind of a disconnect with the movie because it reminded me of, um, so like all those, all those later Hellraiser movies in the mid to late nineties, um, Mm -hmm. I'd say later. I mean, it's like Hellraiser five through eight, basically. Uh, they were they didn't start I out as Hellraiser. There yeah, there's a lot. Funny. This is like yeah. Hellraiser twelve. <laughs> I know. Um, I always forget there are so fucking many of these things. It's it's insane. But so those later Hellraiser movies, uh, they weren't written as Hellraiser movies. They were like some right. bullshit, and then they you were low budget. The title on there, and, and then they slap some pinhead in there and on the poster and call it Hellraiser. Uh, this felt like that, even though it wasn't that. Mm, At least to me. I mean, it was written as a Hellraiser movie. It's actually, it's actually directed by um, the guy who did The Night House, which is a mm-hmm. pretty good movie. And I think that was supposed to be a Hellraiser movie. And at the time, just you know, for legal reasons, it fell through, and so he changed it enough, and it became The Night House. And then he took a lot of those concepts and took them over to this Hellraiser movie. Yeah. Um, but to me, it felt like, uh, felt like 13 ghosts. I mean, it felt like a 13 ghosts reboot that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have made that uh, comparison. Yeah. And it was like, it, it, I mean, even down to some of the aesthetics of the house and the, the um, like mechanical aspects of 
Yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah. A lot of the yeah, the fucking house was so stupid. It was so Uh dumb. The uh, yeah, the the fucking billionaire guy's house is like a cage set up to like trap the Cenobites. They never really explain how that's supposed to work because they're like interdimensional demons. Uh, Yeah, and it's also like this guy's been missing for like five years or whatever it is, but like his house still has electricity and like works fine and, and like nobody noticed that like it just doesn't nobody just noticed them building that shit around the house i don't think yeah. that was there at the beginning it was they just because you see it okay. you see that this framework up top at the very beginning oh, you don't okay. see that you don't see any of this stuff on the side i don't think or they just don't but yeah they don't really make it clear that yeah. it's there that's right yeah really just everything to do with uh Voight, I think is the character, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty terrible, except the contraption that he's trapped in is was pretty sick, actually. I did like that, but uh, yeah, we'll his whole that. character does not need to be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, the movie opens with this, this character, Voight. Uh, it opens at his house. We're following this random guy. You know, he's immediately going to die. And... Um, Voight's just having this massive party. People are having sex everywhere. People are boozing and schmoozing and dancing. And there's this guy that clearly doesn't belong there who gets told to be at a certain room at a certain time because Voight wants to meet him. Which also, why? But whatever. So the guy shows up and... Because he was like specifically chosen to be... What? Yeah, but I mean like in his mind, like why? (laughs) Excuse me. So he, he goes into the room and Voight comes down and the puzzle box is there and he tells the guy, oh yeah, you can solve it or whatever. So the guy solves it and then this what happens when you solve a configuration is... So also, the lore is different in this movie. Yes, which I actually thought was cool. I, I liked how they adjusted the lore personally. I did too. So how it works now is instead of just solving the box... There's six configurations of the box. So every time you solve one, it transforms into a new configuration and then you have to solve it again. And what's cool is after you finish a configuration, a little blade comes out and cuts you. And then that summons the Cenobites and they take you. Yeah. It's um, like a tribute to then unlock the next configuration. Exactly. So Void is having just these random people that, you know, he feels are expendable come in and solve a configuration for him because what happens when you complete all six configurations is that this thing called Leviathan, which was introduced in the original second movie, uh, which is like this giant, like a diamond shaped thing. It's kind of a big pyramid sort of. Yeah. It's like, it's like two pyramids on top of each other. Yeah. yeah. I can't. And um, it's basically, it's basically like the God of whatever realm the Cenobites are from. And it moves around and whatever. And so Leviathan appears and you're granted or you win a prize, basically. And you can choose from a variety of prizes. They're all named after the different configurations of the uh, of the box. And it's like, you know, monkey's paw sort of thing. And so far as uh, you think the gift is one thing, really, it's a negative thing, basically. Right. And so he has this poor schmuck solve it. He's granted an audience with Leviathan. He's granted a wish or whatever. And um, he was just for a sensation, I think. Yeah. He, the prize he claimed translated to sensation. And then, you know, we don't know what happens to him. He doesn't come back for most of the rest of the movie. We actually actually don't even see that particular part. All we see is right sort of off screen, the kid starts to get ripped apart and then mm-hmm. crazy stuff starts to happen. And then it hard cuts, which there actually was a very interesting, like the transition actually was cool from the guy screaming to the couple having sex. It was like, Oh, that was actually like pretty well done. It was like an interesting way to, uh, to do that. Um, te- technically I have zero complaints with this movie. I thought, uh, the editing is great. The score is pretty good. I agree. The, um, the effects are all really good. Yeah, the makeup is incredible. Actually, um, yeah, we'll get yeah, we'll fucking get to those Cenobites. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. they they are phenomenal. Um, it looks great. Cinematography, really interesting camera work at times. At times, uh, I, I times. actually wish that they had gone harder with some of that stuff because there are moments. Handheld. 
<laughs> we just got turn off the podcast. <laughs> I wish it was more like Taken Three. Um, I wish no, it was I wish all found footage, like Hellraiser Revelations. <laughs> I, I, yes, I wish it was. I wish that this was just a Hellraiser name slapped onto a Blair Witch Project movie. Yeah, I wish it was B- Blair the Blair Witch versus uh, Pinhead. <laughs> Now that'd be fucking rad. Let's see that game in. Um, no, I wish they'd gone a little harder on the cinematography because there's some good stuff, but there wasn't anything that like super blew me away. Um, none of it shot like poorly by any means, but no, uh, I just, no. I'd wish that they'd gone a little harder on that. And I do wonder how much of this, like how much creative control David Bruckner like had. I don't really mm. know. Um, which I think is also could be part of why like the plots inconsistent. Yeah. You know, that there may have been a little interference. Yeah. But yes, in any case, on like a technical level, it's quite good. Also, conceptually, everything they did with the lore and the Cenobites and the way they show up, I thought was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It all fits together really well. So let's, well, let's just, let's just jump ahead and talk about some, let's just talk about the Cenobites. The the stars of the show. Yes, I think we should uh, start with Jamie Clayton as Pinhead, because holy shit, is she awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She awesome. is so fucking great. She's super intimidating. Uh, the fucking makeup, the costume, it looks incredible. I love th- the way that she very subtly affects her voice. I actually saw an interview with her because I was kind of wondering to what degree they actually changed her voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually didn't change it a ton. Her voice is naturally lower and so she mm-hmm. lowered it a little bit i think herself naturally and then probably in post they added some more like bass or like kind of boosted it to make it a little bit boomier and yeah. i like that she kind of hits her s's kind of hard um mm-hmm. and she speaks just very even keeled very monotone it's very creepy i love that she like incorporates enough of like the mannerisms of uh what's his name from the original movies doug Bradley. Uh, yeah, Doug Bradley, but still does her own thing. Yeah. And it's fucking sick. Yeah, I thought Jamie Clayton is uh was fantastic. And I also love um they go back to the source material uh for the designs where the Cenobites don't really wear clothes. Their their flesh is like filleted into their yeah. wardrobe. Yeah. Um so she had like a skin skirt. Yeah, uh, which was gnarly. horrific in the best possible way. And she is like, oh, yes. she's missing, she's missing skin throughout her chest and it's like cut into patterns and her muscles and tendons are exposed. And she has pieces of the uh, puzzle box, like in her throat um, yeah. and her chest. Uh, and yeah, all the Cenobites are like that. They don't really wear, some of them are like nude. Um, I think there was, I think there was a Cenobite with a landing strip. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly and uh, we we get some that um, I think my favorite Cenobite I wish he was in the movie more was the mask which is uh, one of the most horrific things I've seen in a long time yeah is that is that the one with the exposed lungs no that's the one where um, he like doesn't have a head but like the skin of his face. Oh yes. That one like, was fucking awesome. You only see him for like five seconds, but it, it was so fucking cool. Yeah. There's no yeah. head. It's just like a face like stretched around this. Like it looks the like a uh, frame. It was yeah. Yeah. Like a dream catcher or something, but it's, his yeah, face. it was disgusting. And it was so awesome. And like, <laughs> he, didn't cool, have, yeah. he didn't have eyes so you could see through him. And it was just amazing. amazing yeah. Like looking. the skin was like opaque and like kind of yeah. see through. Yeah. It was fucking yeah. gnarly. I did like that one a lot. And the exposed lung Cenobite. I liked a lot. Too. Yeah, that they, was that, the first shot you see of him is from the back and you realize there are just these like cavities carved out of him. And you just see the lungs inflating and it's in stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it was fucking gnarly. Yeah, all all that stuff, the practical gore looked amazing. Um, And the only, well, we'll come back to that. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, the design for all of them was great. We actually get a lot of Cenobites. Uh, They kind of just like come out periodically. And after every configuration, we get more of them and we get different ones, which was cool. Um, The other thing that was cool was uh, Pinhead um didn't have nails they they actually had pins in their head mm-hmm. these sort of pearlescent tipped pins that 
glimmered in the light and looked really cool. Yeah. Um, and the way that they show up, the way that like reality bends, yeah, and that stuff the really environment cool. is affected and things like shift and change and transform. I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah. All that stuff was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and, the, and it shows up in like unexpected ways too. Like when, uh, sort of toward the end of the movie, one of the like roommate friend people is about to die. The woman, mm-hmm. um, or I guess toward the middle, uh, and they're in the van trying to escape. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I wonder how this is going to work since they're all together. And like the previous iterations, when people were like disappearing and the world was changing, they were alone. Yeah. And now we have, uh, her in the back of this van and it's just like the, the back of it stretches out and the front of it, like stretches away from her. And suddenly she's just like in this hallway. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was so well done. And you get a little bit of that in the originals, like, you know, a wall will open or something and they'll step through. But the way they did it in this was so much cooler. And I mean, that's, you know, a budget and technological limitations of the time. But yeah, for sure, man, it was fucking cool. Uh, Every time they showed up and and they did kind of a different thing every time. It was so cool. Like really, it really depended on the environment. And yeah, I think the van was my favorite, how it stretched out and transformed into like a stone <laughs> stone walled hallway it was so fucking yeah, yeah. awesome and then you just see the the people in the front seat get further and further away yeah yeah and then the way like the so they're driving down a road and the way the like, the trees and everything sort of turn into the hallway as well it was so cool yeah it was really cool. um what was oh i'm trying to think there was something else oh I, well i guess we can jump ahead a little bit because it's related to the Cenobites. At the end, we see potentially the creation of a, Cenobi- a Cenobite. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty uh, interesting. Boy, was it. <laughs> that, that was such a fucking bizarre and awesome way to end the movie. I know. With this like Just- angelic, beautiful resurrection of the most disgusting thing you've ever seen. Yeah, um, yeah, it was fucking gnarly. He's like, fucking. This is this is why clearly why they kept Voight in the movie because they wanted to use this at the end, uh, which is why I I don't know. I guess I I can give them some points because it was pretty fucking cool. But yeah, he's like, he uh, rejects his gift that they had given him previously. Says he wants something else. And well, so they say, well, first let's talk about his gift because this is part of the uh, body yes. horror of the yes. movie. So he uh, the the gift he he gets is translated to sensation. He I think is under the assumption it will be something pleasurable. Uh, instead, it's this sort of clockwork esque device that uh, is goes from like his chest and his stomach through his back, and there are just all these gears that his nerves are wrapped around. And every like ten minutes or whatever it is, the thing just starts winding mm-hmm. his nerves around. <laughs> so In that different way can, directions. Yeah. So now he will he can never be comfortable, <laughs> and he'll yeah. always be in pain. And they, you just see this like wiry, sinewy flesh mm-hmm. wrapped around these gears. Yeah. God. And and it, again, it looked really fucking good. <laughs> and it would yeah. fucking and the sound it would make when it would move. Man, and he uh rejects that gift and is basically like, You tricked me. I want something different. And they say, Okay, you're coming with us. And uh you see the 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 contraption fall out of him, which is also horrific, and you see his body heal in like yeah, that was some so disgusting cool. detail, and it looks really like I really I would really like to know how they did that because it looks really fucking good. Like that I means there's a lot of CG. Maybe some of it's practical and some of it's CG. I don't know. Yeah, uh, if it's all CG, and I assume a lot of it must be, uh, it looks fucking great because like a lot of the time CG gore just doesn't really look that good. Especially with a movie yeah. like this that has so much really good practical stuff. Yeah. Um, but man, that whole sequence was also fucking gnarly and it's his body healing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that might have been the best uh, shot of the movie, honestly. It was um, definitely up there. There's that and there's the the needle through the neck that was very simple, yeah. but, but really got to me. Yeah, that was disgusting. Yeah, there's um, a moment. Uh, it's right after the, uh, the van scene that we talked about uh, when we get the, our first like elongated sort of look at the Cenobites and at Pinhead. Uh, she yeah. takes a Pinhead takes a needle out of her head. Uh, 
our victim is already, you know, strung up with hooks in their body and she puts it through her neck and we cut to an interior shot of her throat <laughs> as the needle goes through it. And then it cuts back to the outside and you see the needle go through the other side. And then she pulls the needle out slowly and you, we cut to the inside <laughs> again as the needle gets pulled out. And it was so visceral and oh God, yeah. like th- that one really, really got to me. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised with the, violence in the movie i mean it wasn't like over the top where it almost became comical but it was visceral enough and realistic enough to where it was pretty pretty gross and a lot yeah, of they, lot they of were parts. pretty restra- yeah they were pretty restrained with a lot of it um, yeah they were i thought it was i mean the i thought first it was kill well you don't even see which right. is good yeah i mean that's what i'm saying i think they they made the right call by being as restrained with it as they were because then yeah. the bits that we that we do see really stick with you mm-hmm. yeah and so after the device is removed from Voigt's chest and he's healed, he is then immediately fucking speared by a Leviathan. This giant claw comes through the ceiling and goes through his entire chest that was yes. just healed. And then, and then slowly then lifts him. Slowly lifts him out of the house and then takes him away. Uh, and then we we at the very end of the movie, we cut to... He is uh, completely hairless and nude on this, uh, not a table, but I mean this like. Yeah, it's a cross, basically. Yeah, it, it kind of. Yeah, it's weird. And he's like on this thing and his arms are raised out. And it, it's it's weird how like religious it is. Um, yes. Yeah, so and he's surrounded by white. It's this sort of like moving white void. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it looks like heaven. Honestly, yeah, yeah. he's like bathed in light and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then and this angelic music is playing. I mean, it's very yes. beautiful, actually. It is. It is. Uh, and then all of his skin is like peeled off and his his like mouth is opened up and peeled back. And um, he's just like he can't even scream. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just totally ripped apart and his eyes go black. And we assume he's he's becoming a Cenobite. Yes. Um or some sort of thing related to Leviathan. I mean, in the, I, I kind of was reminded of Hellraiser too. I mean, for one thing, his, yeah. char- his character is similar to Dr. Chenard, who is the yeah. antagonist of that movie. That's what I assume they're going for. Yeah. Um, and so what happens with him is he becomes a Cenobite, but he's like puppeteered by Leviathan. So I kind of wonder if that's the direction they're going where, he becomes like the new hell priest or something because that's, you know what he would have wanted, I guess he wanted power at the end. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, One thing that surprised me that I thought the movie would have done was, um, which I guess it wouldn't have made sense because it's not like the, the main character's brother who gets taken at some point. It's not like he, you know, wanted anything to do with it or even knew it was going on. But right, I thought right. he was going to turn up again later, like as a Cenobite or something. Yeah. They, yeah. They just have him come back as like, a means to like goad Riley or to like tempt her into like doing stuff, which is fine. I, I, I think I prefer that over like seeing him again in some way, unless they were going to show him like being tortured or something like that. Maybe that I mean, would have been fine, but yeah, um, I think, I mean, I think that would have been, I think that would have kind of driven home the addiction thing where she saw that her actions caused, you know, so much pain. It's to like him horrific pain. Yeah. 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 I, I was expecting something like that and we never mm-hmm. really get it. Yeah. So a, a little missed opportunity there. Indeed. Also, interestingly, her brother is gay in the movie uh, and has a boyfriend and the boyfriend survives. True. Uh, yeah. So, so there's that, mm-hmm. uh, bit of representation there, I guess. Uh, also, apparently Jamie uh, Clayton is trans, which I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. I, oh. I just like, looked her up yesterday in preparation for this to be this to like read up. And I was like, oh, she's trans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She is. So there's but- kind of an interesting meta piece there <laughs> with the changing the gender of uh, pinhead as well. True. Yeah. Um, and there, mm-hmm. and they do do an interesting thing with pinhead of like 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 
they make you know? me like more <laughs> effeminate in this, obviously, but like I still feel like there's a certain genderless quality to uh, to Pinhead that I kind of like. Well, I was gonna say that's what's so funny is um, all these people that you know probably would normally not say you know they would normally say like trans women aren't women. Probably the same people that you know refuse to call people by their preferred pronouns. Right. It's like they had to choose, like, did they change the gender of pinhead or not? You know, um, but it, <laughs> they were able to be more outraged by saying, oh, it's a woman now. And so they had to, they had to, uh, admit yeah, they had to that accept, they had to accept that <laughs> trans women are women so they could be outraged <laughs> that pinhead changed genders. It's fucking uh, amazing. Shit. I, I, I didn't even think about that. That's a, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> oh my god it's so it's so fantastic because there was plenty of, there was so much outrage that there was yeah and heads a woman now and it's like oh so you accept that trans women are yeah, so women. trans women are women hmm, okay, interesting cool. interesting yeah you gotta, um, yeah you gotta pick and choose <laughs> you gotta pick and choose what you're outraged about and what you believe it's amazing yeah um, you'd be ideologically inconsistent right we'd hate for that to happen but yeah they they did keep uh keep pinhead relatively genderless which is kind of how pinhead is in the novella which i mean it's not called pinhead it's the just priest. the hell priest um or you know in the original movie lead cenobite yeah. i don't think it matters really um in the in the novella uh pinhead's character has the voice of a little girl which is horrifying I thought yeah. they were kind of going to go that route. Um, but I, I like the voice a lot. And yeah. I do like that. Um, yeah, it's like genderless. It's still kind of like a there's still like a sensuality to Pinhead. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's just this little like hint of it, which again, really like speaks to Jamie Clayton's performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, hey, I mean, if we're going to have a mommy, mommy Pinhead, that's that's cool. Goddamn right. <laughs> she could rip me apart any day. Now we need like a, now we need like a, some nerves. She could tug on. Jesus Christ. Now we need like a, a, a sexy Freddy Krueger or something, you know? Oh, the porn industry is taking care like of that. Mich- Michelle Myers. <laughs> Jasmine Voorhees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can you imagine fucking Jasmine Voorhees? Jasmine fucking Voorhees, man. Oh, Unbelievable. My God. <laughs> oh, like a total fuck. smoke show where she's got that fucked up deformed face. Yeah. Yeah. Real shame. Real shame. <laughs> They'd probably give her like nipple rings or something too. Because why not? Why not? Yeah. These little bars. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Um, let's just gender flip all of them. Yeah, keep fuck the it. Out, keep the outrage going, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what's so funny is like, I can understand, I mean, I don't give a shit, but I can kind of understand if, you know, people want to get mad about like, oh, we're going to make James Bond a woman now. I mean, it's kind of, it's stupid. It's nothing to be that upset about. Just make like a badass female spy. Don't turn James Bond into a Yeah, yeah. Like making, yeah, make a new character. Right. But to take, to take an actual character and and flip it for the sake of it like okay yeah i could sure you know i could see people being mad but something but a character like like a horror movie villain um especially one that doesn't really have motivations or a character uh to flip it and have no reason for people to give a shit but people get fucking livid um, I think it's hilarious. And so I yes. would absolutely love to see Lady Jason Voorhees or oh, yeah. Lady Michael Myers. That'd be so fucking funny. Yeah, absolutely. Lady Freddy Krueger, give it give me an and you Freddy Krueger, you can just keep it as Freddy, even you don't even have to like change the name if you don't oh, want yeah. to. Francine. 
Yeah, Francine Kruger, Francie Kruger, <laughs> Fanny Kruger, Fa- Fanny Kruger, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's get. It sounds like a fucking like marketing firm or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fanny Kruger. I mean, let's get like Lady Chucky. You know, I mean, she, in the same doll, it's just a, a lady's soul. But it's got, but it's got tits. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. So what? Okay. So here's what'll happen: the doll will get possessed by the lady, and then it'll grow boobs, like in Perfect. Terminator Three. Yeah, perfect. Why not? <laughs> Let's get all the horror villains. Like Ghostface. It doesn't fucking matter who Ghostface is. Yeah, just just give Ghostface tits. Uh-huh. Big old tits. Except wasn't Ghostface a chick in one of those movies? Probably. I don't know. Wasn't it uh, Emma Roberts in one of those movies? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Emma Roberts was one of the killers in one of the Really? Movies. Yeah. I don't know. I'm fucking, I don't know. Which I makes sense, which makes no sense because Ghostface definitely never had female anatomy. Uh, no, definitely not. It, well, who, who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I haven't even seen all of the first Scream, so I don't know. I could never get into Scream. I never got the hype about Scream. <laughs> Revived slashers. Yeah, it was like the biggest horror movie ever in the nineties. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Brought the genre back, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Oh, whatever. Candyman's better. They they killed Drew Barrymore. Yeah. You know what they that should was- do? So the original Scream movies always started out where you got a big star and then they had this opening prologue and then that person was killed off. Yeah. So they had... I mean, Jada Pinkett was never Drew Barry, you know, she's never no Drew Barrymore, but she was in the second one. I don't know about the other ones, but they should bring that back. And what they can do is like, you know, we go to see Scream 7, which is also called Scream. And yeah. then it's like, oh, look, it's that TikToker, uh, you know. Oh, uh, look, it's Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. Or like, oh, it's uh, Jojo Siwa. And then it's <laughs> cool. Jojo Siwa and then getting brutally murdered. Yeah, and then she gets yeah, like ripped in half. Tree. And like, yeah. She gets like turned into a pinata and like her organs fall out. <laughs> she's turned into a pinata. Yeah. Yeah. She's like hung from a tree by her intestines and then beaten until her legs fall off. And yeah, there you go. Like, then cool. her, her, yeah. Then her lungs fall out her back and then <laughs> the, the movie starts. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Cuts off. That would her- actually, that would actually, if you wanted to make a really campy like Friday the Thirteenth movie again or something, that'd be a good kill to have him like string somebody up by their entrails and then like La Cucaracha starts playing and he like beats them with a stick. Well, that might be racially insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> Just get a yeah. Hispanic director and then it's. Oh fine. yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Or just get Alfonso Cuaron to, to direct it. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you excited for uh, the Grinch horror movie that's coming out? What? Yes, there's a horror movie called The Mean One coming out this year, and it's a uh, you know horror movie where the Grinch is the killer. Is this like uh, some, you know, ultra low budget, intentionally shitty thing? I don't know what it is. I just know. Because there's that Winnie the Pooh horror movie that's might be out already. This looks more highbrow than that. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I'm. Yeah. I'm surprised Mm. that. Jesus. Yeah. I'm surprised that these killer Santa movies have reached the mainstream. You know, we got the Mel Gibson one last year, fat man. And now we're getting the Michael Shannon one violent night this year. Yep. True. How is there a market for this? I don't know. I'm maybe like, was it like the success of Krampus or something? I mean, there's like a hundred different Krampus movies. So maybe, yeah, maybe they just milk that shit into oblivion. Well, the, the, Unless there's another more recent one, because there was the good, the like pretty good one. Well, the, that the real out. Krampus movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like legit hired highish budget one. That's mm-hmm. like quite good. I don't know, maybe like that did well, and they're like, oh, you can do Christmas theme horror, and people will like it. So now we'll, we'll just fucking milk this forever. Maybe I mean, it's maybe people just crave novelty. I don't fucking know. I don't know. I mean, the the Killer Santa stuff started with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. And it peaked and should have ended with 
Santa's sleigh, which is phenomenal. Mm. And then, but then they like rebooted Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, and now, now it's stronger than ever. I don't understand. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's just like a fad, like novelty, do it for the meme thing that'll probably wear off and go away again, I'm sure. Well, the thing is, nobody fucking sees these movies. <laughs> nobody fucking went and saw Fat Man. Yeah, no one's going to see the David Harbour one. No one's going to fucking see. Oh, yeah, it's not even Michael Shannon. I said it's David Shannon. Harbour. It's David yeah, Harbour. I prefer Harbour. Michael Shannon. I mean, yeah, if, if Michael Shannon was in it, 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 it might stand a <laughs> chance. It might be elevated purely by Michael Shannon. Can you imagine like a fucking raging Michael Shannon as Santa Claus? That'd be <laughs> That'd be horrifying. awesome. That'd be fucking rad. Michael oh, Shannon man. should be playing the Grinch in the mean one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God bless Michael Shannon. I want. You know what I want to see? I want to see Michael Shannon in. Okay, do you remember Anger Management, the fucking um, Adam Sandler movie with Jack Nicholson, where they just scream yes. at each other? Yeah, I want to see two hours of yelling. Yeah, yeah. Just Jack Nicholson being fucking insane and Adam Sandler just screaming all the time. I want to see a movie where Adam Sandler and Michael Shannon just scream at each other <laughs> and are both like insane assholes. Man, like that maybe, would be uh, that'd be quite. I don't know who would win that shouting match. All right, here's the movie, Robbie. Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Michael Shannon and Adam Sandler. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Real quick, is this a Happy Madison movie? We got to start there. Is it a Happy Madison movie or is. No, it's an, it's an IDKM Productions movie, Robbie. It's us. Okay, okay. This okay. is our movie. So we're doing our own thing. Okay. Yeah, I'll be out. By the way, for those who don't know, IDKM Productions is our production company. <laughs> that's a deep lore. That's a deep lore. I think people might have forgotten that. So, that's, but that's deep lore, yeah. <laughs> but that's um, our production company. No, so, so here's what the movie is. Michael Shannon and Adam Sandler are uh, our neighbors. And they're playing themselves. It's actor Michael Shannon lives next door to actor okay. Adam Sandler. Okay. And they, you know, they hate each other. They don't get along. You know, Adam Sandler's trees are always hanging over into Michael Shannon's yard and shit. Uh, And they like compete for, you know, Christmas lights during Christmas, who has the best light display. They hate each other's guts. And then there's something that something going on where they have to be competitive with each other. Maybe it's a sports thing with their kids. I don't know. I doubt Michael Shannon has kids. That guy, you know, no, that guy's pull out game is strong as fuck. And so <laughs> here, yeah, I think what it should be is there should be like a, like an annual, like block party thing every year that has yes. some kind of competition attached to it. And you get like a, you know, some trophy that you get to put on your lawn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, they just, they hate each other. They have to compete against each other and they're just screaming at each other the whole time. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. And that Adam Sandler uh, can also play his wife, his own wife. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Sandler plays his whole family for no fucking. He plays his own like twelve-year-old kid. Yeah, he's the only one who does it. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll get to wear a fat suit, and it'll be so funny when he falls down on. No, no, or- in, he falls down on a goat in the petting zoo. And the goat dies, and it's very funny. No, dude, dude. At my, <laughs> Adam Sandler plays Michael Shannon's wife. <laughs> but yeah, they could just play each other's spouses, too. Fuck it. Why not? Who cares? Or Adam Sandler plays both wives. <laughs> and, and Adam Sandler plays his own kid. And Michael Shannon's wife is all, or Michael Shannon is always wondering if that's like actually his kid or something. Love it. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. Although, if we want to stick with uh, Happy Madison conventions, then we do need to give David uh, Adam Sandler. <laughs> and, yeah, well, we need to give David, Sp- and, and we have to have. Uh, oh God, we'll have to uh, give a role to uh, uh, what's his name, the guy we fucking hate. What's his <laughs> what's his Kevin name? James. No, no, not Kevin James. <laughs> uh, Worse than Kevin James. He always uh, has Nick Swardson. Nick Swardson. He'll have to be there. I was going to say Kevin James could like play his character from King of Queens and just be a fucking like a zany <laughs> UPS man. Yeah, uh, there we go. Nick Swartzen can be like a guy that lives in, he's like a, 
a man child that lives in Adam Sandler's treehouse in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and John and John Heater plays Michael Shannon's brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and we'll and have John to get... Lovitz is like the the creepy pervy neighbor that gropes everybody's wife. Yes, yes, wife. yeah, who has like a peephole in his fence or something. <laughs> and uh, a fucking glory hole fence, dude. <laughs> and uh, fucking now we'll have to give Adam Sandler an unrealistically hot wife. So you'll have to take someone who used to be really famous and is still kind of famous, but only because they used to be famous, not because they do anything anymore. Jennifer Lawrence, and they're, like really hot. Like yeah, you can do Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Um, if you could convince Ava Mendez to get into acting mm. again, she'd be good. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, you'd have to give him an unrealistically hot wife. Oh, what's does Dane Cook's girlfriend act? <laughs> <laughs> She's 19 now, so the age gap wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> true, this is true. Oh, oh, get Maude Apatow in there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I do think uh, we should get Judd Apatow to direct. Okay, so who's played a, who's played Adam Sandler's hot wife before? Um, fucking what's her name? <laughs> Kate uh, Kate Beckinsale. She's played his hot wife. Yeah, Ava Longoria has. Um, I'm pretty sure. Selma Hayek has. Selma Hayek has. Uh, Rachel from Friends has Rachel from Friends. Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, she's oh, done yeah. it. Uh, um, hmm. Hmm. Who's left? We <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> don't have to think on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's like a who's like a attractive woman that's like 15 years younger than Adam Sandler. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, but it's just like, oh. I mean, I feel like all the best options have already been taken, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, Has Jennifer Lopez ever played his wife? No, she's too old. They're almost the same age. Well, so is, uh, the other Jennifer. Oh, dude. Aniston. Um, they're like, they're. No, close, no, no. What, what's um, Emily? Uh, what is it? Rad- Radishkowski. Uh, Emily Rad- Radishkowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Fuck it. Why not? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Chloe Grace Moretz, which she did. <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Cool. What about what's what's Elijah Eliza Dushku up to? Oh, these days? or what's she? Uh, Emmanuel Shariki. Macron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Let's do it. What's Elizabeth Berkeley doing these days? Uh, what about Gainsbourg? What about her? Oh, no, 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 no. We can't <laughs> go back down the Gainsbourg route. Um. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So they're neighbors and they hate each other and yeah. Um, but like their wives are best friends. Michael Shannon's wife, of course, played by Adam Sandler. And, um, <laughs> oh my God, this sounds amazing, dude. Yeah, I think we've got a hit on our hands, honestly. And I'm sure if we pitch this to Netflix tomorrow, they'd give, they'd be like, here's $10 million. Yeah, this is great. This and they is already so have, good. they already have the deal with Happy Madison. So. Exactly. Exactly. It can be IDKM in association with Happy Madison. It could start out, the movie opens with some Pete Townsend song. I mean, I can already picture the whole movie right now. There's something absolutely. No, I think it should. I think it should open with uh, uh, hmm, maybe "Dance the Night Away" or, or whatever it's called by Van Halen. Mm. No, that's the that's the end of it. Oh yeah, when they when everyone gets along, you're right. Yeah, they become be friends. Yeah, oh yeah, be so, something will happen where they have to they have to become friends and put their differences aside, and then they'll be best friends yeah. at the end of the movie. Um. Annie Samberg can play Adam Sandler's brother. Beautiful. Um, I mean, this it writes itself, dude. It does. I mean, it really does. We don't even have to write a script. We can just Paul <laughs> Feig it and yeah. say, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, fuck, dude. Put um, Melissa McCarthy in there somewhere. She can yeah, play, I was going to say. She can play the mailbox that gets smashed by a Jeep. 
think that? she can play Adam Sandler's house. <laughs> she, a bedroom mansion. She could, be, she could be the giant bouncy castle in the block party. I don't know why why was so <laughs> mean to Melissa McCarthy. I, I don't even have a problem with her at all. Oh God. <laughs> I just want the record to show that we only. I don't know why. We, oh, <laughs> man. oh my god! <laughs> it's not our fault she gets cast in shitty roles. No. Oh my god! She can she can play Chris Farley in a in a dream sequence. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyways, anyways. Oh um, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, uh, no. fuck, dude, can, Kristen so. Wiig can show up and be have a quirky cameo. Like you know, we can find how how fucking hard you want to go. I mean, it's just Apatow. I gotta stick to the Apatow people. You get fucking fucking Jason Siegel in there and fucking yep. uh, Martin Starr. Yeah, <laughs> everyone loves a good Martin Starr cameo. <laughs> yeah, is fuck is uh, Leslie. Whatever the fuck her name is, she'll be in it. His wife. Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. <laughs> I don't know. Leslie the, the wife of Judd oh, Apatow. Leslie, Leslie Jones. <laughs> Leslie Mann. Okay. Yes, Leslie Mann. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leslie Jones could be in it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And Paul Feig can be in it too. He can play himself and he gets hit by a car at the end. <laughs> yeah, but he'll actually, he'll do his own stunts and something unfortunate will happen. <laughs> Oh no, no, this will be yeah, this will be funny. So Paul Paul Feig gets hit by a car, and it's driven by Melissa McCarthy, who's getting roadhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's getting roadhead from uh, her husband, who of course was cameoed in uh, Bridesmaids, and it'll be a similar mm-hmm. interaction. It'll be the same character. Yeah, she'll be the only actor not playing himself. Yes, and then we will establish uh, the Bridesmaids Cinematic Universe oh, by connecting. Fuck. I love it. Which is also, which is in the Heavyweights Cinematic Universe. <laughs> it's too good. It's too fucking good. It's really, yeah, it's beautiful. Oh my God. It writes itself. It's too easy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. We'll see you on the red carpet, motherfuckers. Oh my God, it's terrible. Fucking terrible. Can't wait to get my first Razzie. The first of many. <laughs> Who else is? Oh, John Turturro. That's who needs to be in there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's unfortunate to drag him into this, but we we have to. We don't have a choice. Yeah, no, not when it's happy, happy Madison stuff. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. Is that it? I mean. I mean, unless you want to talk about Kanye. Yeah, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we can talk about Kanye West for a little bit. Um, Uh-oh. He made a oopsie. Uh-oh. As it turns out. Uh, Kanye West is a total piece of shit. If anyone uh, missed the news, he got kicked off his social media for a bit. Uh, Robbie, 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 Robbie. Don't slander the man. He's not a piece of shit. He's just an anti-Semite. It's totally fine. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he said some shit about the Jews. I, I don't even remember specifically what the tweets are. I think implying that like the Jews were behind a bunch of bad shit that happened to him and to other. I think at one point, I think he insinuates that the, that the Jews are behind cancel culture. <laughs> Interesting. If I recall. I did. I've seen the tweets, uh, but I don't remember the specifics. Um, I saw he said he he was going to go Death Con 3 on the Jews. Yes. Which I think he meant Defcon. <laughs> um, I don't think he knows what he meant. <laughs> no. But yeah, what does that even mean? Sounds who's like a threat. Say? I mean, who's yeah, who's to it say is. what it is? But And then he immediately appeared on Tucker Carlson. Uh, Did a two-hour interview with him. <sighs> you know, see that I didn't uh, see anything about. Yeah, I knew yeah, he yeah. was on there, but I didn't actually like 
He did a, a, like a two hour long interview. They of course Jesus. didn't mention anything about the anti-Semitic tweets. Well, what did he talk about? I don't know. I, and I don't care. <laughs> mm. Probably it's something about the woke left and cancel culture and Lord knows what else. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's funny. The minute somebody goes on a racist ty- tirade, uh, they're the next guest on Tucker Carlson. Carlson. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. Interesting how that, how that works, huh? Um, well, you know, I mean, his, his boogeyman is George Soros. Indeed. Um, he's not a fan of the Jews at no, all. No, none, uh, none of them are. No. None of them are. No. Huh. Food for thought, folks. Food for thought. Yeah, just think about it. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, hey, we talked about Kanye. Um, there we Robbie, go. thanks for joining me this week. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more, you can tune in same time next week, wherever you just heard us. Rip come, Lord. R.I.P.